On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, I could take a raindrop, turn it to an icicle, pull off in that blue Escalade, you still rocking tricycles, Michael Myers mask on my face, copper filtered in, 95 edition bar, I'm a virus killer, try to quarantine me, my shoot increase like a Kiwa. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You are tuned into My Turning Point with special guest Riza. This is a really fun, interesting conversation touching on everything from his love of Kung Fu, of course, to the return of Bobby Digital, to revisiting Wu-Tang in the 90s for the Hulu series. So, learned a lot in this one. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Where are you these days? It's hard to keep track, dude. You're, you're, you have so much stuff going on. Yeah, I'm in L.A. right now for another... I leave on the 10th to head back to the East. Uh, what have you been working on in LA? Because I know you're always, that's the other thing too. You're always doing so many different projects. I know, but I'm kind of right now, we're finishing up season two of a Wu-Tang American Saga. Um, so I'm ping-ponging back and forth because, you know, post-production is in LA. Physical production is in New York. <laughs> and so ping-ponging in the middle of all that, I've been having fun uh, finishing this, this album with DJ Scratch, which is uh, really, I did all my parts. Now he's just doing his parts. Uh, so that's still, still real fun. I haven't, I think I've done an album in <laughs> a minute. Yeah, when was the last one? I mean, the last Bobby Digital album got to be... Eight. Shit like that, right? I mean, wow. That's crazy. But I know this is considered a sequel to a record that came out 23 years ago, man. It's always fascinating to look at that stuff because you've changed a lot in 23 years, man. 23 years, that's a whole lifetime. Exactly. The funny thing is, so, well, look, I guess I could be clear. I know, I know, I don't, like, I know we're just talking, so I know, like, getting on and topping it up with, with, with you know, with, with my, my brothers and my peers and, and you know, you know, brothers like you, the journalists that's, that, you know, they have an interest in things and I just chop it up. But I will say for clarity, so I'm doing an album with DJ Scratch, right, that I call Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater. We decided to record it during the quarantine. Uh, we just kind of was like, well, let's just do it, right? You know what I mean? And we did it. And in the process of doing it, I was recording another album called Digital Potion. And Scratch was like, you know, Bobby Digital versus the Rizzo. Like, who you think? You know <laughs> what I mean? And so what we decided to do is pick the one that me and him did out first, which is called Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, which is basically Bobby Digital versus the Rizzo. And then I'm going to follow up with another one called Digital Potion, uh, which is just strictly Bobby Digital doing what he does. And I know that sound like who the hell is Bobby Digital, who the hell is the Rizzo, but uh, that's what I'm doing. And I got some great artwork for y'all. Let me let me just show you the artwork real quick. I think you'll get a kick out of this. Yeah, uh, um, I'm gonna pull this yeah, up real quick. I, I, I okay, I really like it and shit. Tell me if you can see this cameras here. Oh yeah, that's cool uh, as fuck, dude. Bobby Digital versus Rizzo. Yeah, Saturday afternoon Kung Fu Theater. 
<laughs> but you know, it's so funny because you're like, I know you were saying like, oh, I wonder what this is like, Bobby Digital versus the Rizzo, or you're like saying that that's what I'm thinking. Yes. I love that. Stuff. <laughs> it's fascinating to me because the thing is, you know, I've talked about this with so many artists. You kind of do take on alter egos as performers. So, but what happens is when you have these alter egos over time, they kind of merge a little bit. So it's funny. Do you now see? elements of Bobby Digital in the RZA and RZA in the Bobby Digital, they kind of come together yeah. and it becomes like a heightened version of you. I think so. I think I think that's something that happens naturally. I think you, you draw the lines. Right? It's like an actor, every time they do a movie, if they get a big role, a part of that character walks with them, right? You, you know, we love Denzel, but you always see a little bit of Malcolm X or Frank Lucas in his other characters. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's interesting. What are the elements then of Bobby that are, are most that you now see most in the RZA? Well, look, but Bobby, I think, the, you know, lyrically personality was very uh, vulgar, right? But also vulgar in a way that was kind of very misogynistic. Uh, but even lewd in a way, right? It's like, you know what I mean? It say some shit like that. Um, but the performance style of it, I think was, uh, like it's the unspoken word. You not heard, get your brain open, control emotions, free will at the same token, keep a sports. I think the vocal style of Bobby has built into RZA, but I also think the RZA growl has built into Bobby. So like, there's no place to hide once I step inside the room. Like, I think that's where the lines are getting blurred. But I think lyrically, I strive to keep them apart. And, uh, and on this project, I think that's what happens really more so on this project. I think on this project, the song that has the RZA title have insightful lyrics. And the song that has the Bobby Digital title are more rambunctious, uh, a little bit of prof uh, heavy, heavy profanity. Like he says, uh, one of the lyrics, he says, uh, he basically just tells everybody, shut the fuck You, 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 shut the fuck up. And you, shut the fuck up. History of my life <laughs> is recorded in the mic booth. History of my DNA is stored in my wisdom tooth. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? He said, he says like, uh, brain stems create like, stems and pro tools but it gives you a creative view of what my soul do so it's kind of deep too but it's more digital it's like body digital saying like the, the waveforms we watch in pro tools is 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 giving you a view of how his soul moves you know what i mean and shit so I don't it's, know. It's, this is so yeah. fascinating to me because two things out of one i love that you keep referring to bobby as he and in the third person. And <laughs> two, um, the other thing about it is, it's interesting. Do you find then that as an artist, it, it, like that this was almost created in a way, and maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but now it's created in a way to allow you to say the things that RZA wouldn't say? Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think as an artist, you do, you need an outlet, right? And sometimes that outlet, it can't, be personalized. I don't think, look, I don't think some of the personal feelings of a lot of my artistry are personal. I think 
to be honest, I think even though people will say that's your voice, I also think it's like the like a horn. It 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 people play it. And one guy plays it this way, one guy plays it that way, but it's still a horn. Right. So I think that as a vessel of art, that somehow I became that, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It's just like you can see me right now chilling with my shades, my woo hat, my Buddha beats, you know what I mean, my little swaggy shirt or whatever. But if you just came and caught me, you know, kind of like in my most comfortable position, it's just the sweats and a t-shirt. You see yeah. what I mean? And so I think like to be and to express, we put on costumes, we put on personas, but it's our duty though. I'm not saying we do it to, to make a fraud. It's like, no, it's my duty to say what Rizzo says. It's my duty to say what Bobby says. It's my duty to act as a character. It's my duty to tell the movie Cutthroat City. Those are my, those are my, that's my duty. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I like to refer to the Bhagavad Gita in this sense. In the Bhagavad Gita, it was just like, you got to just do your duty, regardless of your emotions. Regardless of how you personally feel, you are the vessel that has to that have to deliver that duty. You know what I mean? And I feel like that in my art, because I, I've been looking back on my own self, and I was like, wow, that was, that was deep. <laughs> I got to even say, I was like, that shit was deep, son. And it's like, yo, but you know what? It had to be. Who else was going to do it that way? Who else was going to say it that way? You know, no, I know exactly what you mean. And that's interesting. So there are things that you go back and hear where you're like, oh, okay. Cause so much of writing is subconscious. Then you come back and you hear it years later. You're like, ah, oh, I never thought about that. Or I never noticed that. So other things about, and this goes back to what I was asking at the beginning about the intersection of Riza and Bobby and bringing back Bobby after so many years away, you probably have a much clearer understanding of who Bobby is because being 13 years or 23 years older, you also have just a better understanding of who Rizza is. Exactly. You're 200% correct. And then it's the, and I do it, but then it's, would you, are you going to allow the, that persona to exist in its own form and let it, and let it be? And the question is, or the answer should be yes. Right? So I had a, you know, look, I had a talk with my wife about one of the songs that, uh, it's on digital potion, though. It's not on this album. It'll be on a later album. And the song is called Don't Cry on My Shoulder, Bitch. That's the name of the song. Don't Cry on My Shoulder, Bitch. And so, she was, so my, my wife was like, you know, it seems that um, Rizzo will be, you know, you, you know, people is knowing you more as the Rizzo than as Bobby Digital, right? And it seems like that, that Rizzo wouldn't say that. I said, he wouldn't say that. He said, why would he say that? But will Bobby Digital say that? Yeah, he would say that, right? Because what he's transmitting is something different. You know what I mean? And it's just like sometimes people put on a mask and go to underground clubs and shit. <laughs> you know? And that's where they go going and shit. So, and I think that character... Is 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 that outlet for that and that art and that art for that? So it'll be interesting to hear what everybody else say when they hear it. You know, whoever hears it. You know, you know, like in the old days, everybody would hear your music. Now it's like whoever hears it, right? <laughs> Which is kind of funny too. Um, and I'm cool with that as well. I just want to say that out loud. I don't care if only one person hears my music. You know, I come because I heard it. I'm making it. I'm enjoying the process of it. 
And I always do think that the more people who hear it, it's better for them than, than for me, because I think that my experiences and the art that passed through me uh, is healthy. Even the ugly parts of it. I think it's healthy for the, for the, for the, for the, for, for man, woman, and child to be like, oh, that's a thought. You know, if you ever go back to one of my songs and I said, uh, the unspoken word, get your brain open, control the emotions, free will at the same token. That's a, that's a lot in that one sentence. I'm saying, how about an unspoken word? Something you don't even say that can open up your brain. And do you have control of your emotions? And your own free will. Did you have control over it? And at the same token, keep a sword tucked sharp upon your personal. <laughs> right? At the same time, you're going through all that. You better have something tucked on you to protect yourself. We could take it to the streets or we could bust a verse or two. <laughs> so, so meaning like, you know, we could get physical with this shit or we could just wrap it out. And that's where hip hop started from. People thought they was going to fight. And then they started battling, breakdancing, emceeing and DJing to express their frustration. But then you have control over that. And that was written in the 19, what, 98 and shit. <laughs> but it's still healthy. Well, that's what I was asking too about going back to stuff. And then like, are you surprised by some things that you go back to? And you find, and it's interesting too, because I imagine as well, coming from, you know, now doing the Hulu show, you've gone back and looked at a lot of stuff. And this ties in too with the idea of, it's funny because you were saying you don't care how many people hear your music. But what's, of course, now different is you can now do Wu-Tang and American Saga as well. And even for people who don't hear the music, there's still so many other ways to expose people to your art and to Wu-Tang and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the, like, the blessing is that the saga does continue, right? And you're, you're 200% right again there, Steve, when you think about the fact that, you know, for the last, since February 28th, up until maybe just this weekend was the first weekend that I don't think I was in the nineties this year. Like every week and every weekend I've, I've been in the nineties, my sets, uh, the things I'm looking at, the music I'm listening to, the vibes I got to deal with. It's all surrounded by the, by, uh, by my show. And so I'm getting to look and relive versions of Wu-Tang and, 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 and experiences through this, through this new, through this new season that's keeping me in a in a '90s mind state, and you and and I, and I still got to say it's healthy, and it is a blessing. I will honestly say it's a super duper blessing that this story could find another platform such as Hulu and the Imagine Team, and and I could I guess now even the Disney Team, right, in 20th century to tell the story because what it's doing, right, what it's doing, I think it's giving us a, a spotlight on a time of young men in American culture who are trying to find a way out of dire situations and evolve to become, you know, not just artists and rappers, which they're going to, which they, we evolved to become, but even just evolve to become a man. And, and, and you see it, you know, you see it and you see it in the writing, you see it. So, so, so something cool about that. I and mean, when I said, I don't care about who the hears the music. I don't mean, I don't care. It's more like before I was motivated, motivated by what others felt. Right? You go through a phase like that, right? You go through a phase of you're doing it because you love it. Then you're going to do it for, through a phase of doing it because you hope others love it. Then you go through a phase of doing it for the money. You know what I mean? You pass through those phases, you get back to the phases that's doing it because you love it. And if you're doing it because you love it, then that's what you do. It don't matter who else loves it because you love it. 
It's like your child. You love your child. You may never get a date. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you got any children? No. Man, well, you got you got parents, though. Yeah. <laughs> they love you. <laughs> so you did some fucked up shit, and they cool with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an understatement, you know? <laughs> but that's what I mean, though. That's, that same love should, should be for your... For, for, for the arts or making the art. But do you find as well then, I'm sure this is the case, that once you get past that point of doing it for other people like you talk about, once you get back to the point of doing it for yourself and doing it for the art, that you enjoy it so much more? 100%. I had a whole conversation with... Uh, um, so we're doing a project with this crew called 88 Rising. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and we were... And, and one of the producers, he was actually the producer of one of my tracks. One of the first tracks he ever sold was a long time coming off the Bobby Digital album called Digi Snacks. And he, he remembered he was just a kid in the studio playing tracks. He was in another booth, another room. And I came in, I mean, I overheard it. And I, 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 you know, I said hello to him and he played a couple. I said, you know, I'll take one off you. And I'm a producer, but I bought a beat off the kid, gave him like $3,500 or something like that. You know what I mean? It was like, yo, you know what I mean? Yo, keep doing this. If you got $3,500 today, I'm going to tell him what you will get. He's probably getting $35,000 a track right now. You know what I mean? But we was sitting together last week before we did the 88 Rising. Uh, they did like a, a benefit concert to help the Asian Americans, uh, you know, the violence and all that. We're trying to, you know, do what we can to help. And his name was his, his name back then was Danny Keys. So I just called him Danny Keys. So right? he changed his producer name. But Danny Keys, we're sitting there and he's, you know, he, you know, he has all the equipment now and he has a whole crew. They're making some music and they're trying to figure something out. And I said, let me play you something that me and DJ Scratch did. And I play something and he, they love it. They feel immediately inspired. And I said, yo, because me and Scratch just did it for fun. There's no money was exchanged. There was no promises. It just was like, yo, let's fucking do something. And we did it. You know what I mean? And then, it, then Danny went to his files and his brain and was like, yo. And he dug up something that he had and he fucking gave it to me. And it's dope as fuck. You know what I mean? And conversation went like this, yo. We all, been in a, we all made a lot of money doing this, man. All right? We have to get back to doing it just for the fun of it. Because when it's fun, like Karis once said before, we're not starting violence. We're just having fun. We Scott LaRock and I'm Karis one. When it's just fun, it makes the whole world enjoy it. Because it's just fun. This is so interesting to me. But also, do you find then that going back and looking at yourself in the 90s allowed you to get to that? Because you see when you were doing it without the pressure of success, when it was just something, when you had that young hunger, when you were just starting out and revisiting all this stuff, of course you're coming from a different mindset when you're just starting. Yeah, but, and even, look, I had the conversation with Wu-Tang dozens of times, ever since the album, The W. I think the album, The W, was the last fun album. You know I mean? Everything else after that just got business and it just got, you know, just was whatever it took. Like budgets, it took a budget <laughs> to make an album. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I tried to explain to them. I said, "Yo, Thirty Six Chambers didn't take no budget. And out of all our albums, it's the only one that's considered in the top albums in history. I mean, we got a couple in there, but 
but it's in the top, top, you know what I mean? The top 50 probably, right? Or whatever. So I'm like, yo, we was just young men having fun. You know what I mean? And I didn't, nobody paid you to come to the studio. You actually snuck on a train to get to the studio if you had to. You know what I mean? Nobody paid you for your verses. You actually was dying to say your verse. <laughs> so that energy is important in art. And you do lose it because once somebody pay you for something and start paying you a lot for it, I, I, I got to a point, I remember this, it's right before the 2000s came in. I wouldn't even make a track unless they had money for me. And I was, I sold a couple of them just at $135,000 a piece, man. And I was, I was, I didn't even, I didn't even go to the studio without a check. You know what I mean? Then what happened was I started not even having an extra repertoire of material because my music was being uh, dictated by the economical pursuit of the music. If somebody, if you're going to pay me to do it, then I'm going to do it. If you ain't going to pay me to do it, why the fuck will I do it? Right? And that hurt me a lot. And then when I came out of that phase, you know, I had to come out of it in music. I came out of it in Hollywood. That's what, it took Hollywood to break me out of it. You know, starting back as an actor who only could get a couple of hundred grand for a movie. You know what I mean? Coming from a guy who's getting million dollar budgets. You know what I mean? And, the, and, and But I still showed up. I still got up at six in the morning and I did the roles and I did everything I was supposed to do So I got it up to over. He gave me half a million dollars for a movie or whatever. But the point is, I kept building it. You know what I mean? And I didn't build it because of the money. I was just show up because of the craft. And then eventually I was able to control millions of dollars and do my own and direct movies. So the point being made by sharing that with you is that, you know, Picasso... Van Gogh, they wasn't getting no money to paint at first. But the paintings that they painted are invaluable and priceless. And that's what we got to, as artists, try our best to hold on to that purity and just keep creating. And uh, somebody will discover it and they'll put the value on it. Well, this also ties in with the Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater because I was going to ask you, does that also allow you to just have that outlet that's just fun? That is just something that is a passion thing that you enjoy doing and doesn't matter what the money is or what the budget is or whatever. It's just a fun outlet for you. And then what I find from talking to so many artists is then that feeds back into the music and you find your sort of creative joy again and it all ties in. Yeah. You know, we doing, we do the Saturday afternoon Kung Fu theater where we screen classic Kung Fu movies and, you know, I will come on and actually commentate. And it, it does co a couple of things. One, hopefully somebody else out there, whether it's an adult or whether some adult got their kids sitting there in front of the screen, some Wu fan, whatever, and they're taking their time to watch a movie that inspired me creatively. And maybe they'll get some creativity out of it themselves, right? Because they're being exposed to something that they may have not have been exposed to. And then for me, I get to talk about these movies and commentate on them and share them with a with a new audience. That fulfills me. It gives me, it, it gives my it, it makes it gives it's very nostalgic because it takes me back to when I was 10, 12, 13 years old on Saturday afternoon watching a kung fu movie. And so now I'm sharing that with my with, with, with a fan base. And I hope that it grows, right? But then what it does again, like you said, it's like after the movies go off, I may go sit there and just make a beat or whatever and, and have a glass of wine. And then eventually, 
by doing by doing those, we did them all. We did them through the quarantine, and by the time we got to November, December of, of quarantine, DJ Scratch reaches out. I reached out to him actually. I called him up, and I actually called him up as a bigger man because I think I don't know if if, if the last time I spoke to him was I being a little bit of fucking a, a, a dickhead because sometimes I, I sometimes I, I realized damn, because you was being a dickhead. You know, I think I snapped out of that because you're an ego, right? But I was able to call him as a man. Was like, yo, remember those tracks you had? Yo, what you doing with that? I want to do it. I mean, let, me, let me play with this. Yo, let's do an album. And we just did it. And, and now the album, <coughs> inspired by those movies, has samples from those movies, and has the title, Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater. So that's a great way of art imitating life and life imitating art. And it's all fun. While you was just talking to me, look, we talking to each other. Look who texts me. Nice. <laughs> That's how real it is. Yeah. And so for you, as you're having fun with this, does it then feed back in into everything and you're, it makes you more excited to do everything? And now it's funny because now, of course, we're coming out of COVID or lockdown or whatever. You can start having live music again, things like this. Does it then inspire you for the idea of going back out, whether it's on your own or whether it's with Wu or whatever it is? Well, I'm always inspired to be around the Wu brothers. And so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said to you in the early part of this conversation, I said, uh, this is the first weekend I felt like I wasn't in the 90s. It's because this was a mask off weekend. This was like, you know, I seen a few friends this weekend. I actually went to a movie, uh, the Alamo Draft House. We opened their LA location and, and me and a few good buddies and actors all showed up and watched The Quiet Place 2, which is a great movie, I got to say. If you get a chance to check it out. Uh, then after that, the next day, uh, me and some musician friends got together. And so, yeah, I'm excited, bro. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to say that. That's, that's, I'm saying no, that's to say yes. And then there's an August 13th date, a rule at, at Red Rocks. You know, I just, I'm, man, I hope all the brothers feel excited, as excited as, as just party with the world, man. Yo, let's just say that, brother. The world hasn't partied together. Right? Now it's- We've been all in our fucking capsules and I would love to get normalized that we can go party together. Uh, my dog is excited, dude. He's like, he's, he's ready to, you know, he's ready, he's ready to, to go outside right now. But it's funny because I was going to say, well, it's so interesting then the idea of doing Wu stuff after doing the show because again, going back to the idea of the 90s stuff and all that and then we'll wrap up on the future but it's interesting. So are there specific songs that after spending all this time revisiting the past, that now you're really excited to play at Red Rocks on August 13th, or maybe stuff that you hadn't heard in a while, or maybe stuff that you started simply don't like to look back, whether it's for a show, a greatest hits, a tour, whatever it is. Otherwise, most artists are always focused on the future. So having spent all this time in the 90s, are there specific songs that you are just like, okay, now I can appreciate this? Or because also you just haven't been able to play them in so fucking long that you can't wait to just get up on stage and do them. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's just a, almost uh, an, um, it's almost like a, a a joy that can't be replaced. You know, beyond you know my children, my wife. You know, I just say when you're dealing with the outside world, there's almost something that can't be replaced, and that's rocking with my Wu Tang brothers. I mean, I think for me, that's like um, a battery recharge, you know? 
So, 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 so it, it didn't take the show or hearing all the songs to do that for me. It's, it's almost like the anticipation that there's a chance for me, Master Jizzle Ray, Ghost Deck, Master Killer Capadonna, Mathematics, you got all to be like right in front of each other along with a few other brothers like my brother Power, Power and Devon and Tyrese and all of us. And here we are in the city collectively and we're about to share energy with thousands of other kids and grown-ups, and it's going to be like, yo, good times? That's a, that, that's a thrill, bro. And that got cut short when COVID came. Right before COVID, I think we did like maybe 30 shows the year before that, and that's like a lot. I mean, I saw my brothers a lot. I was getting used to, you know, I was getting used to seeing them. Like, yo, I'm going to see my man. Like, every weekend I was seeing them, you know what I mean? Because we had to now, there was a time when I saw Wu Tang on the weekends. I had a fucked up week when we was all fighting, right? But, <laughs> but it's been so good the last couple of years. And the show, I think, is we can do a lot of energy. That 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 if it was it was good to see everybody, and and, and it's a blessing. And sometimes they bring we bring our children or our wives. They pop up or some other cousin you didn't see in ten years. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and for me, to be honest, I, I got a super busy schedule and I try to carve out those days to be to show up for those things. So August 13th right now is carved out for me. It says Red Rocks, Wu-Tang and man, I'm doing my I'm doing everything in my power to be there. And I hope my other brothers do the same. My last few questions. I want to wrap up on the new stuff. But I, I mean, I have to ask since you guys are having so much fun. And as you talk about your institute in place. Obvious question: Will there be new Wu music soon? And that's hard to say quick, but <laughs> I, I, you know what? I suspect there will be because one thing about the brothers—they all have—they all alpha. So I'm sure that everybody is sitting on something. You know, what I mean, I would be interested to hear it all pass pass through our ears, and maybe maybe there's an album, a Wu album that's not like so controlledly produced. Maybe it's like yo, Wu album that kind of comes together like 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 uh like like H two O like it just it just happens, you know what I mean? Uh, last question. Well, two part question. And first, obvious part. Digital potion. Is there a timeline for when it's going to be released? Um, yeah, we, we're thinking. Uh, we're, we're thinking. We're thinking. I think October, November area, maybe December. Okay, there's a minute still. Yeah, we think, yeah, so we think it's Saturday afternoon Kung Fu will come first in front of Digital Potion now. So that'll come maybe, that'll come this summer. Finishing it up, fuck it, here it is, bomb, have fun. And then Digital Potion will come uh, a little later and shit. Nice, so when you go back and you hear these two records, and I, they're not done, obviously, but when you hear what you've done on them so far, and it's always so interesting, too, because obviously COVID was a very different mindset for everybody than normally making music. When you go back and hear these two, the state that they're in now, what do you take from them? Are there things that you hear on them that surprise you? Well, for me, I played them for my manager, uh, Tyler Childs. I played it for him uh, this weekend. Um, and he was blown away. You know, he thought he was blown away first by the Saturday afternoon Kung Fu. He was like, oh, shit, damn, you fucking, you actually, you what you trying to do? You're rhyming again? <laughs> you're fucking, you're, you're, you fucking put your fangs back in your mouth or something? <laughs> and then I was like, okay, hold on, you got more time? He said, yeah. I said, well, this is coming out later this year. It's Digital Potion. And he just was like, yo, he, he, he said the production is unheard so far. It's, it's an unheard style of production. So... Uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, it'd be interesting to see 
the response to it, but he responded super well to it. And he's a, uh, he's not an easy pleaser. <laughs> Cole did anything else you want to add? We didn't talk about. Well, well, no, I think, I think you talk about everything. That's just look, you know, I have 36 cinema. We will be doing, uh, our next screening will be the five deadly venoms. Uh, is a classic. So we'll start with that one. And then from there, we'll keep going deeper into some of the short brother vaults of maybe a couple of obscure titles. But I think that's scheduled for June uh, 12th, right? Yeah. I think June 12th, we'll do five deadly venoms and we'll keep going from there. Got them going all summer long? Yeah, I think, well, we're not doing them. Yeah, we'll we'll go all summer long. I won't be on every one, every broadcast, but uh, I'll be there for the ones that has that major flavor. I think Ghostface promised to pop in on one. Have you ever seen this movie called The Mask of Vengeance? No. Yeah, it's, it's a very obscure Shaw Brother film. We used it when we produced the Cabadonna's first album. And uh, we, Ghost may join me on that one. So it's going to be fun to see Rizzo and Ghostface watching a Kung Fu flip together. So I think that's going to be interesting. Cool. Well, and I'm sure it's, again, if you can't do them every Saturday, I'm sure then it's fun for you when you actually do get to do them. So when you do get to do them, you'll appreciate them more. I appreciate that. You're right about that. Cool, dude. Anything else you want to add we didn't talk about? No, I'm good, man. Have a blessed day. Thanks for your interest, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Have a good one. Peace. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been listening to My Turning Point with special guest RZA. Survival got me bugging, but I'm alive on arrival. I'll be back the shape of the streets to stay awake to the ways of the world. Deep. A man with a dream with plans to make free. In New Hampshire, all roads lead to adventure. The Granite State isn't only home to New England's tallest peaks. You'll also find epic coastal views and charming towns perfect to explore on a summer trip. Whether you're seeking the adrenaline rush that comes from kayaking rapids or the peaceful chill that comes from enjoying a cocktail on the porch of a classic B&B, there's something for everyone in New Hampshire. For more summer inspiration, go to visitnh.gov. That's visitnh.gov. Discover your new. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, 
The crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.